Over the last two decades, I've been on a quest to learn everything I can about leadership, obsessed with what makes the best leaders so good. After running companies small and large for the last 20 years, today I speak on stages all across the world to audiences who are interested in that same question. My name's John Laredo, and I'm your host. I invite you to join me on this journey as we explore this topic, what makes the best leaders so good. Welcome to Tomorrow's Leader. All right, welcome to today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader, where we dive deep on all things leader-related, related to leading yourself and leading other people. So for those of you tuning in on YouTube, you may notice I don't have my normal uh, garb on. I'm all snazzed up. That's because I just did a presentation right before this, and I figured, you know what? I've got the studio all rocking, so why not just go right into a podcast episode? And looking at the screen, I look like a newscaster. Tonight in the news, lots of bad things happened. But I'm going to talk like this just so you feel like everything's going to be okay. That's right. Okay. Uh, anyways, uh, so Derek Yorick, does that name mean anything to anybody out there? When you think for a sec, for those of you who are watching YouTube, I'll flash up a picture of him. See if this helps. Anything? No? All right, that's okay. No worries. Nobody knows who he is except for D Derek and his friends and family. But in 2015, he got some notoriety. So here's a cool thing about Derek. So Derek ran the Boston Marathon in 2015. And I've never run a marathon before. I did a half grueling, grueling, grueling thing. I've got all the respect in the world for the people that actually have run marathons. For those of you out there, uh, you're just a whole different breed of human beings. So I give you tons of credit. Uh, Derek did something. Now, most people, when they run a marathon, their goal is to finish the marathon uh, or to get a certain time uh, or to exceed their personal best their last time or qualify for an upcoming race. Derek ran the 2015 marathon with none of those as his goal. So you may say, well, what is his goal or was his goal or did he even have a goal? Well, he did. He had something that was incredibly specific and incredibly unusual. And for those of you who saw that picture that I just flashed up, that is Derek in the lead of the Boston Marathon at the one mile marker. And what's cool about that, what you see behind Derek is all of the most elite of the elite of the elite runners in the entire world. He's rubbing shoulders with the best of the best, including uh, Lalisa DeCiza, who was the winner that year, uh, who's a few strides behind him at that point. So what's kind of amazing is Derek, this unknown person, um, was in the lead of the Boston Marathon in the first mile, and that was actually his goal. Nobody knew who he was, including the sportscasters, the people that were covering the race. They had no idea who he was. He was on TV. They're looking at him. They know everybody that's behind him. And they're like, who is this guy that's coming out of nowhere? Unbelievable. But that was his goal. See, Derek is a father from Texas and moved to Boston, has two uh, kids at that time, five years old and two-year-old uh, daughters. And his goal was simply to lead the marathon at the one-mile mark so his kids and his family back in Texas could see him on TV. Isn't that cool? That is amazing. He put everything toward that one goal. In fact, he trained for it. He uh, prepped for it, did everything he needed to. Now, it was not an easy task because you may think, okay, well, I've got to sprint 
for that first mile to have any chance to be in that top uh, spot come the one mile marker, um, which to any mere mortal human being, a sprint, you know, would be uh, nowhere near close to that. He actually ran his first mile at a 438 pace, four minutes and 38 seconds. Unbelievable pace for a first mile. Now, what was kind of cool about this, one is he did what he wanted to do, right? He got the notoriety. He got this moment of fame where nobody knew who he was. He was on TV and they're trying to come up with who this guy is. And his kids are at home. Oh my God, that's dad. He did it. He did it. His friends and everybody like that. It was his way of saying thank you to his friends and family and his trainers that were back in Texas. Just really, really cool story. What's awesome though, is they talked to him afterwards and they asked him, you know, and they found out his whole story and they obviously didn't know before this, what he had planned. And he continued the race, obviously nowhere near first, but he finished the marathon in two hours and 59 minutes which for those of you who know marathon running is an unbelievable pace. I mean, that's like incredible. Anything under five hours, as far as I'm concerned, is is good. Anything under four hours is unreal. Uh, three hours and below, wow, you're just on a whole different level. So what's cool about this story is a few things. One is the fact that here's a guy that did something that nobody else had ever thought to do. He made it his mission, and he had this unbelievable, power, unbelievably powerful why behind doing this, this crazy, crazy feat. And he did it. And it was because he had this strong why. He had his kids that he was thinking about their reaction of seeing their dad on TV uh, leading this race and a picture that I'm sure is framed and up in their house and will be remembered as well as the stories that go along with it forever. Um, but here's the other cool stuff that happened. There's a lot to be actually learned from this. So here was a guy who sprinted, which goes against any kind of conventional, uh, pacing strategies for any long distance race or even, you know, medium distance race for that matter. Uh, absolutely the opposite end of the extreme, what you want to do, but that's okay. That was his, wasn't his goal to pace himself the right way for the race. He wanted to achieve this one thing. But what it did, even though it was against all pacing strategies and marathon running strategies, it still finished him at an unbelievable level for the marathon, right? So he here's a guy who did one thing. He sprinted, and the effect of that was unbelievably dramatic for the remainder of the 25 miles. It still put him at a great place. What does this all mean? Well, here's the thing that I took away from this. One is when you have a strong enough why, you're able to do just about anything. Secondly, is if you think about the concept of doing a sprint, I'm a big believer in these sprints in life. So in and in business, where you take a short period of time, put it to max overdrive to absolutely push yourself, your system, your mentality, your physicality, whatever, to the ultimate level. And that's how you experience big growth. Businesses that do this are really smart because it pushes them into big growth too. I don't know when you're watching this or listening to this, but right now it's early part of October. So we're right entering into that fourth quarter. This to me is the most exciting and sometimes stressful time for people in business for leaders. You've got numbers that you're trying to make. You're trying to grow over the prior year. You've got quarterly earnings estimates, whatever it is that you're trying to meet or exceed. And you've got this push. But what's amazing, and those of you in sales, you know this too, it is unreal at what you can do in a short period of time when you have enough incentive there. So whether it's you're trying to qualify for a conference or you're trying to meet your personal best or a personal goal or life goal or income goal or whatever, when you really put your focus on it for a short period of time, it's actually surprising how much you can get done. So what I think about with this concept is uh, it does a couple of things. 
Derek, when he was running this race, what he talked about afterwards is they, they said, what was it like to run the first mile of this marathon and be with these all these unbelievably elite runners? And he said, you know, it was unreal. He said, the difference between me and them is we were all running at about a 4.30, 4 minute, 30 uh, second pace. He said, but I was giving it 100%, every ounce of every bit of energy I had, and the rest of them were, they seemed like they were barely working. It seemed like it was easy for them. It was almost like just a nice, easy, light jog. That was the difference. But what was cool is he got a chance to rub shoulders in a game time setting with this elite crew. And what it allowed him to do is realize what he was capable of. So these sprints do a few things. They stretch you and they push you and they give you a taste of what it's like to run at a faster pace. So I know if, if you're in business and you're, you've got a certain level of business that you're doing, let's say maybe you're $100,000 a year producer, let's say you're in sales, and for one quarter you do 50000 that's twice what your normal pace is. Well, that's much more doable, it seems, than doing 200000 for a year, but you did the pace of a $200,000 producer. So Derek was running at a pace of about two hours and 15 minutes, or even a little bit less than that. That's incredible. So he was actually running at a pace of the very, very top in the country, in the world rather. And this uh, concept applies for businesses the same way. And you individually for your life, if you take a three-month period of time and focus on something and put high enough stakes at it, it's amazing what you can do. But then what it does is condition you to think like that higher producer, that $100,000 producer now knows what it feels like to be a $200,000 producer for a period of time. It's a little bit now more in their norm. And that's the key thing. Runners, one of the other things that athletes do is they'll practice running downhill. And the reason why is because it forces their legs to move faster and they actually start to realize and, and, and understand what it feels like. They've got to get their body in, in the concept of knowing what that feels like to move your legs faster and achieve a higher pace and a higher speed. Um, you know, bodybuilders talk about shocking your muscles. I remember reading about Arnold Schwarzenegger when he was in heavy training mode for Mr. Olympia. He would take a day and absolutely blow apart uh, any conventional wisdom in regard to training methodology and and uh, methods uh, and uh, and and uh, rules, so to speak. And he would train one body part for the entire day. Now, for those of you who don't work out, usually you might do three or four exercises. You might work out a body part itself for half an hour. Uh, he would take an entire day from morning to night. I remember reading about him doing pull-ups to work his back, and he would do that all day long, literally nonstop. And the concept was it shocked his muscles. You didn't even know where it came from. It was just something that was like this big injection of like, you know, rocket fuel into you. And ultimately that propelled him to higher levels of muscle, muscle growth. So think about this, how this applies to you in business or in life. Take one thing that you're trying to do and just go absolutely crazy with it for a short period of time and step back and watch what happens. What it does, again, it gets you used to doing higher levels of activity or production or whatever the case may be. Uh, and the ripple effect is unbelievable. Uh, what's what's kind of cool, and I remember back in the days of running my practice as a financial advisor, and this was going way back to like my second year, I remember hearing um, 
a, a speaker come in. The guy's name was Jack Kimbler, and he came in and he made it. And this was a period of time where I was really struggling with my business, not quite sure if I was going to stick it out, if I was going to make it. And I remember him coming in and I was, I was lost. I was really kind of searching for answers and didn't really have any major success yet and was really uh, not any good mental place for sure. Enter Jack Kimbler, who did a presentation for us. And I remember him saying one thing. It was a simple thing, and it was just a masterful thing that hit me like a ton of bricks. Bricks, And he said, if you want to double your income, just double the amount of people that you see each week. So if you're seeing five, see 10. If you're seeing 10, see 20. And your income will double accordingly. Now, you know, I'm pretty good at math. That's not a brilliant math formula. That's pretty basic. And I'm thinking, okay, is that really the case? I'm like, well, yeah, I guess that would make the case. It would make sense. Why would that not? Who am I to argue that? So what was really cool about it is I did it. And I did this sprint mentality. I said, I'm just going to take a month and I'm going to go as hard as I can and just focus on that one concept of seeing as many people as I can. I didn't even care what kind of appointment it was. I didn't care what the result was, but that was the only thing I really cared about was how many appointments was I seeing. So I was kind of narrowing my focus, being really myopic on this, but it was simple and it was unbelievably effective. I went from seeing one month, 20 appointments, and the next month they would do 25. Okay. Then the next month I figured, okay, let me up it again and do 30. Now I did 30. Then I figured, okay, let me up it again. Let me see if I can do 35. I did 35. Then I did 40. Then I did 45. What was really cool is for the first three months, nothing happened. Nothing. But what I do remember is other people in the office coming up to me and saying, hey, dude, what are you doing, man? You're like crazy busy. I see you meeting with people all day and this and that. And it felt good. I actually felt busy. I felt successful. I wasn't making any money. I wasn't turning into results yet. But I kind of felt like, you know what, this is how it feels to be a big producer. You're in meetings all the time. You're meeting with clients. You're doing stuff. You're not sitting in your office. You're not doing whatever. So it felt like I was on the brink of something. And before you knew it, three months went by and bang, my business started shooting through the roof. I literally had business coming out of all different directions and out of the woodwork. I didn't even know what was happening, but my business took off and it never turned back. And that was the single turning point for my whole career which then opened up the door for me to step into leadership and then the rest is history. So I think about this concept of what can you challenge yourself to do for a short period of time and just block out all the distractions and max effort, everything you can put to that one focus and test your limits. There's a great book out there called 12 Week Year which I'm a big proponent of, where annual planning is really tough. People say set annual goals. But what happens is if you get off track for a couple of months, it's easy for you to say, well, let me just, I got the whole year, I got 10 more months. And you know, you get, you get lazy, you get distracted, you're not as focused. If you treat a three-month period of time like a year, and you have now this new concept of these 12 weeks makes up my year instead of 12 months, it's amazing just that change in perspective helps you focus a little bit differently. For those of you who are golfers, I equate it to golfing where I know, I don't know about you, but I, I might start a, start a, a playing golf and, and say, okay, my goal today is to shoot, you know, below whatever, uh, you know, for me, it's probably below hundred. Um, for some of you it might be below 90 or 80, whatever, but I might get into the first hole and it's a disaster. And then all of a sudden I'm realizing, all right, I, I'm like way off track. I lose my mo motivation because uh, I have no momentum. I'm getting off on the wrong foot. It's the same as starting a year and getting off to a bad start in January. Okay. 
at the same point, if I adopt the philosophy of the 12 week year, hey, you know what? I got another year coming up in a couple of months. In the case of golf, I've got a whole nother hole coming up on hole two. You know, one is behind me, now it's two. Now can I get a par or a birdie or something like this and feel good and turn the, it's not like a continuation, it's a whole new fresh start. So think about that as a concept. I don't care if it's a week that you take and you max out. If you're trying to diet or you're trying to get in better health or you're trying to read, some of you that uh, I've talked to have wanted to read, you know, a book a month or uh, somebody who's telling me a book a week. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, Take one week and just try out the pace and what it would take to read the amount that you need to. Get yourself used to that. Then take a week off, then get back to it, whatever. But it's all about getting yourself conditioned to that faster pace. So, in any event, uh, shout out to Derek York back in 2015 for his accomplishment. Great, great story. I love that. What a powerful why. Um, and realize business is different. In a marathon, yeah, you may burn yourself out if you sprint in the first mile. But, of course, he finished in 259. In business, a sprint does amazing things. It really, really does Try it. Let me know how it works for you. So keep liking, keep sharing. Very much appreciate your comments and suggestions. I get a lot of feedback from all of you out there and uh, it keeps me uh, excited and uh, keeps me fueled up. So have a great one. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader for suggestions or inquiries about having me at your next event or personal coaching. Reach me at john at loritogroup.com. Once again, that's J-O-H-N at L-A-U-R-I-T-O-G-R-O-U-P dot com. Thanks. Lead on.